Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Murder on Cold Street by Sherry Thomas. So this was just recently published on October 6, 2020 and is number five in the Lady Sherlock series. We did receive an advanced reader copy of this book for our opinion, I guess. Uh, I I will say that our review is completely objective. I will also say that this was already going to be the new release for October because, as you probably already know, the first four books are some of our favorites. So, of course, we were going to get this one. And, if and we're honest with you, dear listeners, um, Meg and I, in receiving an advanced reader copy of this book, have peaked. <laughs> This is why we started the podcast, was to get advanced reader copies of um, books we already wanted to read anyway. <laughs> right, so, I guess that's... <laughs> so we we're have not achieved our goal. Between this and the Duke, I didn't. Like, we've peaked. Now, don't worry, we're not planning on going out on top. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to ride this train. <laughs> oh, but. gosh. But... But yes, yeah, so I mean, you, if you have listened to the podcast at all, you know that Sherry Thomas is one of our favorite authors and that Lady Sherlock is one of our favorite series. Um, so, of course, we were going to review Murder on Cold Street right when it came out, regardless. Um, getting the advanced re- reader copy just made it a lot harder for us to keep it inside waiting for the review date. <laughs> yes, so as usual with the Lady Sherlock books, we are not going to be able to refrain from spoiling previous books in the series. So if you have not already read the first four books, enter at your own risk. We will do our best to refrain from spoiling Murder on Cold Street. Yes, exactly. Uh, All right, so let's get to the jacket. Charlotte Holmes, Lady Sherlock, is back solving new cases in the USA Today bestselling series set in Victorian England. Inspector Treadles, Charlotte Holmes's friend and collaborator has been found locked in a room with two dead men, both of whom worked with his wife at the great manufacturing enterprise she has recently inherited. Rumors fly. Had Inspector Treadles killed the men because they had opposed his wife's initiatives at every turn? Had he killed in a fit of jealous rage because he suspected Mrs. Treadles of harboring deeper feelings for one of the men? To make matters worse, he refuses to speak on his own behalf, despite the overwhelming evidence against him. Charlotte finds herself in a case strewn with lies and secrets. But which lies are to cover up small sins, and which secrets would flay open a past better left forgotten? Not to mention, how can she concentrate on these murders when Lord Ingram, her oldest friend and sometime lover, at last dangles before her the one thing she has always wanted. <laughs> what, what is that? What is the one thing she, because like, I'm going to be completely honest. When I read this, and I have read this book jacket, you know, quite a bit before we got the arc, like, you know, I have read this book jacket many months ago. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, is she going to do a bait and switch and be like, the one thing she's always wanted was her independence or, you know, something like that. No, guys. The one thing she's always wanted is his body. Lord Ingram's his body. body. His body. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't worry, though, because we all know that Meg and I love Lord Ingram for saying faithful in his faithless marriage. So don't worry. He doesn't give up any of his virtues or any of his ethics and principles. 
yeah he manages to like be all in without just you know without besmirching his yes. principles well i mean even the so they have slept together once or twice twice it was two twice. times it was two twice. times several times in each encounter <laughs> so they slept with each other twice and at the time he believed lady ingram was dead so even Florida. he yeah. was the primary suspect in her murder investigation correct is how i would put it they were aware that there was a possibility it wasn't her there was the possibility it wasn't her i i don't I think it wasn't, uh, anyway, what I'm trying to get to here is even when they did sleep together, he still wasn't like, um, betraying his marriage vows. That's right. what I'm trying to say. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just, that's all. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yes. Well, they thought she was either dead or complicit in trying to frame him for murder. And this was, it was the only way for him to get off. Or so they justified to themselves. Get off. Get, get off. <laughs> get it. Get it. So go to man. That's a good one. I give you so many props for that one, Lane. <laughs> uh, so then in book four, Lord Ingram has filed for divorce. Yeah. But Charlotte Ingram and Co. have to go infiltrate Moriarty's lair in France. Yeah. And. At the end of book three, Lord Ingram had believed his wife had cut off her ties with Moriarty and his associates because they murdered her sister. Right. But it turns out in book four that it was only, you know, certain individuals involved who had killed her sister. And so the remaining part of Moriarty's clan, though not Moriarty himself because of a dissolution within the ranks enabled her to kill her sister's killers and right, re-enter the fold. Well, sort of. So she's now like the head of the opposition against Moriarty. Right. So the, the Moriarty's men, I guess, had split. Like, it was his cohort. It was just the half he wasn't still a part of. Correct. His split. And so she joined the part that was against him specifically, but still using the resources. Exactly. That they had amassed. And Gosh, that end, was really, that's really convoluted. So, sorry, guys. This is why it's like a nightmare and why we say we're just not even going to bother not spoiling the old ones. Yeah. So at the end of that book, Lady Ingram was still inside the compound when Charlotte and her friends, including Ingram, made their escape. And Ingram was saying he was going to go back for her. And then the best part of the book is at the end when he realizes he doesn't want to. Hmm. And not, he basically tells Charlotte, you've been want, right all along. I don't be everyone's savior. Yeah. Well, and, like, not only does he, he not want to, he doesn't do it. Yes. And this book really talks about that a lot, about how he puts himself in the role of the savior. Mm-hmm. And first of all, that sometimes maybe you don't need to save people. Like, you don't. When you put yourself in that role, when you put yourself in the role of the knight in shining armor, then that means you put your partner in the role of the damsel in distress. Yes. Right. So by it, basically, I mean, these books are just amazing. 
because uh, they really show the downside or the importance, I guess, of feminism and the downside of patriarchy, not just from the woman's point of view, but right. also from um, the masculine point of view, which is which is mostly from Ingram's perspective, which, of course, is wonderful because we love Ingram. So. But so in terms of Ingram's character growth leading up to this novel, in terms of what he wants from Charlotte. Yeah. In book four, he explicitly rejects the principle that he needs to be every woman's savior. But he also, in the course of that book, is propositioned by his children's governess. And as a reader, you're actually worried he's going to accept because it would be a situation of him putting his own wants and desires aside, but to engage in a relationship where both parties were fully aware of the terms and in which his children a very stable force in their lives in this time of great instability because of the situation with their mother. Mm-hmm. And so you're really afraid, knowing Ingram, that he's going to do the quote-unquote noble thing for his kids. Oh, God, and I was so worried. I was like, don't do it, Ingram. And when he packs up her stuff and like gives her an envelope full of money and sends her away, I was like, that's my man. So the point is, book four ends with Ingram in a very different frame of mind in regard to pursuing romantic relationships and what he needs from a partner than he's ever been in in the previous books. Yes. He's and always been in love with Charlotte. Yes. The The other thing that Sherry Thomas does is she ends each book on a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. and then the new book starts, like literally starts, the moment the first book stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's done it at least in in two books of mm-hmm. the five and um all of the others you know so two books it's like literally there's the moment it stops and then the new book starts and it's immediately right there right. and the others like maybe a couple of days later sometimes it's just like a prologue from a different person's perspective and then chapter one picks up yes so. but even so uh so when you finish the fourth book you have got Ingram coming to this decision, going to see Charlotte, and then getting interrupted by Mrs. Treadles. I have to admit, I saw that and I was like, gosh, like, God damn it, Sherry, you're going to, you are going to make us wait. Because I thought that the next book was not going to start right away, at least not from Ingram's confession. I thought it was well, going to start, start up, but... Mrs. Treadle's interrupting what meant that his like realization was a fake out. I didn't think his realization was a fake out, but I thought we were going to have to wait until the end of this mystery. That's what I mean. Not a fake out in terms of like he would back up on it, but like a fake out in terms of we wouldn't get to see it dealt with in this book. Yes. Nope. Nope. Uh -uh. Guys, I'm sorry. If you have been waiting for bucks, like we have Ingram's change of heart, then this book is like total fan service for you. Well, okay. So let's, let's now sort of get into book five and we'll touch on the mystery, but we're more going to talk about Charlotte and Ingram in the most spoiler free way we can. So as we mentioned, book four involves the whole gang going off to France to deal with Moriarty directly. Yeah. So book four is sort of like every TV show has this, like the vacation episode. Mm Mm-hmm where you get to pack up just your main characters and take them to a new place, mm-hmm. which I think is very tropey in especially sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And so book five is the 
episodes right after that where your main characters find out what was already going on back home while they were on vacation. Yeah. And that setup alone could have been a way to facilitate regression in terms of the relationship development and the plot development, because like, it's a lot of, it's really easy even in real life to chalk up to, Oh, that was a vacation thing. Uh Uh-huh. And the fact that she did not at all. And in fact, that what had been going on back home while they were all on vacation was more character growth. I was so happy. It was so good. So, as we said, Ingram's had this wonderful change of heart. Now we're into book five. Um, and so Charlotte is finally presented with this new Ingram. Yes. And the, she's new, the new Ingram. <laughs> and instead of having to constantly proposition him or getting to constantly proposition him, knowing he's going to say no for reasons of honor or for reasons of protecting his heart or for reasons of whatever, now the whole situation is reversed where Ingram's the one who, in his own way, is constantly reminding her of what's on offer. And Charlotte having to navigate what is offered within the terms she's willing to accept. Yeah. And her fears. Yes. Charlotte is such, she's such a great character because she, I mean, she's, she is sort of that quintessential Sherlockian character that doesn't deal with its own emotions, right? Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to deal with her own emotions. She doesn't even have to understand other people's emotions. She just has to understand logic, what happens, you know, I observe this, that means this happened. But this book is all about her emotional intelligence. It's all about Charlotte having to navigate her own emotions and figure out, okay, so now the terms have changed. Now Mm -hmm. I have to decide what I actually truly want. Uh, And it's just very... I I don't know. I just think Sherry Thomas does such a good job with it. Um, And both she and Ingram have grown up so much from Ingram being the man reflecting in the first novel on how how often he was mad at her for not being normal. And Charlotte being the woman where the most she would let herself admit is she wished he hadn't married. mm -hmm. Not that she wished he'd married her, just that Mm -hmm. she wished he hadn't married at all. And she wouldn't even let herself really think about the why of that. Was it just that his wife was horrible? Was it was that she was jealous? And this is the book where Charlotte really examines her past feelings Mm -hmm. and what motivated them. And it's not, this book is the most Charlotte Ingram centric other than obviously hollow of fear. Yes. This is, I honestly think this is even more Charlotte Ingram centric than hollow of fear. I, I this think book right, is the, this, yeah. They were both, their relationship was used to trick the reader in a way yes. I found very satisfying in Hollow of Fear. Whereas in this book, their relationship is laid bare on the table for you. I mean, honestly, I feel like the mystery in this book takes backseat to their emotional development. I think Not in terms of like words devoted to each topic, but in terms of what I was reading for, 100%. I'm not angry about it at all. No. I mean, I, I, w- I honestly wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded a little more. Well, of course. But, but that's what the next, the yeah. next book is for. <laughs> I can't. Uh, God, I just, uh, I'm so nervous about the next book. But. Me too, because Hollow of Fear didn't end in a, like, end Charlotte and Ingram are together note. Right. 
Like none of them have. This is the happiest they've been. And I don't feel like it can last. I don't trust you Thomas to give me this gift. Oh my God. She's such, she's such an angst queen. I know. Like there's going to be something that keeps them apart. I don't know what that thing is going to be, but. I have hunches, but yeah. The one thing I will say is I have faith that she's not going to make it another love interest. Oh yeah. No. Like I think now that Lady Ingram is no longer at all someone Lord Ingram feels a need to remain loyal to in person. Mm-hmm. I don't worry that like an alternative to Charlotte or an alternative to Ingram for Charlotte is going to show up, but I am yeah. worried about circumstances getting more complicated again. Oh yeah. It, there's going to be, I mean, anyway, we don't, we shouldn't speculate about what it's going to, what's going to happen because. I, I, we're just nervous because Sherry Thomas is an angst queen. That is the perfect way to put it. <laughs> she is. She's such a, she's the queen. And it's not things. I feel like it's like emotional. It's just emotional, really emotional. It's people who want to do the right thing by their own morals being compromised by society. Because the other thing is, so at the end of book four, obviously they've infiltrated Moriarty's hideout and gotten away with it, and it's sort of unclear who remains in power. Moriarty's taken some of his back, clearly, but like the specifics of who's in power are a little bit vague. But we do know Moriarty's retained enough power to recall Stephen Marbleton. So by the end of book four, Charlotte knows she, Ingram, Mrs. Watson, and probably Livia are on Moriarty's radar. So on the blacklist. They are at this point definitely in danger of being specifically targeted by him. And even the mystery in this book does end up being tied to Moriarty. So that's my personal pet peeve with Sherlock, Sherlockian reboots. Mm-hmm. So you may remember from one of our errata that I, Meg, am kind of like slightly obsessed with Sherlock reboots. I've read many, many, many of them uh, and watched many, many, many of them. <laughs> and Honestly, the biggest issue I have with them is that they focus on Moriarty so much. Uh, I mean, out of the 55, 60 stories about Sherlock Holmes, only two of them actually had Moriarty in them. And one was him defeating Moriarty. You know, one was him defeating Moriarty and, and dying, supposedly. And then the next one was him coming back from the dead and also defeating Moriarty. I mean, that's that's what the two stories are. So it's like, yeah, he was sort of this nemesis, but not really. Um, so my pet peeve is that everything there that there is this big villain. Like, why not have a few short, you know, small mysteries that get solved here and there? Especially because tying the mystery in this book into Moriarty, even though it was small enough that it was a reveal hidden for a while. Mm-hmm. didn't feel very organic. Yeah. Not just because, okay, how many things can Moriarty possibly have his hand in, but because at this point, Scotland Yard is investigating another murder tied to Moriarty, where Scotland Yard is, for whatever reason, not allowed to be given the facts. Yeah. And I got it in Hollow of Fear, right? Because the same situation was in Hollow of Fear, but Bancroft had set the whole thing up. Right. And was making the decision that Scotland Yard couldn't be told for selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. We don't have that circumstance here. There's no corrupt cop 
who's trying to keep the truth from the police. Right. So I don't understand Treadles' reluctance to discuss what actually happened being accepted by his police crew based on the information that Sherlock presents to them. Like, right. the, what, the, what she presents as the alternative, it's that's, if that's what really happened, why the fuck didn't he talk? Well, so I was, I was thinking about it, and I, I remember, so I'm, I'm terrible because I didn't actually look this up in time. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. They have another brother. Which Remington. Is like, Remington, thank you. I was thinking Winchester, but I was like, that's not it. I knew it was a gun brand. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Lord Remington is the one who took over the investigation. So here's my new theory. This should Did have he? been. In, yeah. He I helped, thought he went back to India. He helped. No, he helped arrest Bancroft and then like turned it over to the home office. Yes, but I don't think he's personally in charge. I think he went back to India. Yeah, yeah certainly yeah. possible. But what I'm saying is or what I'm thinking is that what they should have done, what they should have implied in this one is that uh, Ingram turns it over again to the home office. Right. But in the same way that if there was like an international drug cartel involved in a case, the FBI would swoop in and take it over. Right. From smaller people without question, without explanation. I didn't get the impression that happened here. Exactly. That's what I'm saying should have happened. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yes, 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 yes. yes. That's what I'm saying should have happened because then too, they would have been like, oh, okay. Treadles was somehow working with the home office. Right. We're not going to, we can't ask him questions because it's blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. That, that was my one thing is I just didn't feel like, usually I think Sherry Thomas does a really great job of giving you tons of details in the same way Sherlock did without it necessarily being like a mystery you're supposed to solve. But I always feel really satisfied by the endings. Yeah. And I didn't hear not because the mystery didn't feel fully resolved, but because we're getting to the place of like how coincidental can Moriarty's involvement be with all these different tracks. And I just don't believe that the people involved would buy the story. Right. But that said, um, this book is about Charlotte and Ingram and every page about Charlotte and Ingram is perfect. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. I think this was sort of the the resolution of Treadles' character arc into becoming a much better person, too, which was nice. I mean, that said, one thing I I really liked was about how Ingram was like, yeah, they totally acted the way I would have acted before I became enlightened. Mm -hmm. So even though he's... Look, Ingram has never been, like, a bad dude, right? No. Ingram's always been a great guy, except that he has always had this tendency to save people. And he recognizes in this book, like, I've, I've gotten over that now, sort of. Sort of. He still has the impulse, but he's also right. check the impulse. But he sees that these, these treadles is starting on a different plane than Ingram. Yep. Right? And so treadles has, like, now gotten to the savior level. Mm-hmm. And now he's got to learn, okay, wait a minute. Maybe the savior level is still not fully self-actualized <laughs> yeah so I I actually really really liked how that part of the mystery was it, it, so part of the mystery and the character development was woven together yes but and, uh, everything that had to do with the characters we've already come to love I thought was really well done 
Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean Charlotte and Ingram, even though I'm obviously also talking about Charlotte and Ingram. Um, but I do, I'm with you. I wish everything didn't have to come back to Moriarty all the time. I just know Andrew Scott made the character real sexy and it's fine. I didn't find him sexy on Sherlock and then Fleabag happened and broke me forever. (laughs) Um, I will also say that I miss Livia. I really miss Livia. That said. Yeah. I kind of loved Livia goes through a lot of character growth, even though there's not a lot of time on the page for her in this book. Mm -hmm. And I loved the way those nuggets of character growth were presented. Yes. I, I missed Livia, but I missed her in a, in a good way. Yeah. You know, it's not, I missed, I wanted more of her. And when you want more of something, it's like, okay, this is a good, good missing. It's not, you you get to the next book and you're like, Oh wait, what happened to Livia last book? It's a, Oh, I want a little bit more of her. Yeah, definitely. So it was it was good. And and yeah, her her character growth and then also her So she I think we can spoil this. She's finally decided she's finally finished. So she finally finishes um the Sherlock Holmes novel in the fourth book. Mm-hmm. And in this book she's decided to publish it or at least send it out for queries. <laughs> right. So it's it's very exciting in some senses, but it's also very difficult for her because, again, in the end of the fourth book, her her suitor uh, basically told her, hey, it's over by, you know. Yes. Yeah. He, he but... decided that he decided that instead of telling her, hey, it's too dangerous for you to be with me, he was just going to break up with her. Very romance trope. Very. That said, it wasn't a, they'd only known each other for what, a month? And his life was extremely dangerous. And the excuse he gave her was also real thin. Yeah. Like, you kind of know at the fourth book, and Charlotte basically says it, that she just wants Livia to kind of come to it on her own. Oh, yeah. Uh What actually happened, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. No, it was, it was really good. It was really good. And it was, it was very much a, that I'm going to give you, I felt that there is, here's this trope that we read so many times and it was a little bit special because of the way it was handled and how Livia came to understand what was going on. Well, and the thing is what he said to her, because this is all the fourth book was, Hey, my family's life is too dangerous for you, but Mm -hmm. he wasn't. And I think in a, typical romance novel when this is a typical trope we'd be sitting here pissed like come on you don't get to make that decision for her yeah but that was a lie what he was really doing was turning himself over to Moriarty to protect his parents and like clearly she couldn't go do that with him right he just wanted to spare her the truth that he was going to be in the clutches of the evil guy they just escaped from right so like it's not quite the you don't get to make a decision for yourself part of this that we fucking hate it's very much a, like, I'm effectively going to prison and don't want you to have to wait, so I'm going to spare you that. Right, <laughs> yeah. So it was a little more noble than usual. I mean, the, it, I think it's always supposed to be noble, but you and I hate it, but we found right. it actually noble here. <laughs> right, like, she cannot go live in Mor- Moriarty's prison. That is not an option. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty 
pretty crummy. But yeah, so this book is mostly Livia hanging out at home, copying her manuscript. And yet those like 10 pages with her are really fun to watch her like grow as a character. Because this is her first time sort of on her own since she had her first real adventure. Yes. And so like processing how much that changed her, I thought was never heavy handed, but was so well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I, I think Sherry Thomas does such a good job of weaving in the the feminism, but also in this book, she, she, she brings up um, systemic racism and um, racial microaggressions, racist microaggressions as well. Mm-hmm. Just really, and you don't, again, you don't feel like you're getting hit over the head with it, but you're like, oh, wow, these, these are things that people live through, you know? Right. And not just, not just in the past, right? <laughs> well, and what I also liked, okay, I want to make it very clear that I do not care if a historical fiction writer in any capacity wants to put in a Duke who is non-white or who has a different ethnic background, even though they can't source it happening in real life. I don't give a flying fuck. Right. But I did like that the woman who Charlotte becomes close to, who is of mixed race, it seemed very plausible that like Mm -hmm. women, like women like her existed, you know, people of mixed parentage who get taken in by kind uncles who are not aristocrats, not like titled, but who, you know, aren't of the working class. Right. And how that economic situation creates its own pressures mm-hmm. yes it actually reminded me a lot of the movie bell yeah mm-hmm. which um if you haven't seen it everyone should see it it's like my favorite movie it's not my favorite it's top 10 though it's is a really good movie I- but th- her situation made me think very much of bell like someone in a household of some privilege yeah who ends up living a sort of in-between life. And obviously Bell was older mm-hmm. in terms of historical time periods, but I, I think that perspective is really, really interesting. Yeah. And not often depicted in romance novels. And my point is that while I'm all for more diversity period, regardless of whether or not it can be historically so- sourced, women like her did exist. Mm-hmm. And there is a historical record and they don't usually appear in romance novels, whether as heroines or as side characters. And so I really appreciated this very authentic feeling individual mm-hmm. getting air. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I'm from the beginning, these books have been about um, feminism and women's place in the world. But I really like how Sherry Thomas doesn't shy away from other social issues as well. Well, and neurodiversity and... Mm-hmm. You know, we have seen some class conflict mm-hmm. and Ingram is, you know, half Jewish and that's been a yeah. massive conflict in his life. So you've seen it all over the board. Well, but it's And just, in the art of theft, we have um, an Indian character. So we've got the, we've got colonialism, yeah. we have a critique of colonialism. We so have, I, I love um, that she always works that in. Oh, yeah, exactly. In a way that doesn't feel preachy. Yes, it, it just feels really, it feels like a part of the book, not like, oh, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to put a black character in my book. No, it feels like, okay, this is a character, you know? Well, and I also like that it's not blind casting, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the equivalent of blind casting is for a book. 
where you're told someone's skin color is different, but it doesn't inform their character anyway. Right. You know, the characters who have had, you know, diverse backgrounds or been born illegitimate or had some other stigma attached to them have been given the space to articulate their own feelings about their stigma, which I really, really appreciate. Yeah. Well, anyway, as always with all of the Lady Sherlock's, we highly recommend this book. But especially if you've been waiting for Charlotte and Ingram to just get together already, this will meet a lot of your needs. Guys, I read all five in like two days. And I highly recommend that experience. (laughs) It just, it really drives home how well crafted some of the undercurrents of all of the novels have been and how subtle and great the buildup has been. So like absolutely read this book, but like read all of them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely read them all. I mean, read them all. uh, And then just enjoy them. They're just, they're just so much fun. And you, you also think, and so it's, it's just a wonderful experience. Thank you guys so much for listening.